We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. Pray without ceasing. That's what Paul says today. We're going to hear these words of encouragement. It's in 1 Thessalonians, starting in chapter 5, verse 16. He says this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Or pray without ceasing. Give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't suppress the spirit. Don't brush off spirit-inspired messages but examine everything carefully and hang on to what is good. Avoid every kind of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself cause you to be completely dedicated to him and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept intact and blameless at our Lord Jesus Christ's coming. The one who is calling you is faithful and will do this. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Like I I shared before, I I like the idea of productivity more than I'm good at it. And, And so I'm interested in like these people that time block. They look at their week ahead and they see all these blocks and they fit in all the stuff that they're gonna do and they get to it perfectly. Me, it's like Tuesday and I look up and it's 3.30 p.m. I was like, okay, it's really true. If you don't schedule your own time, someone will schedule it for you. And then I do find myself praying, like, dear God, um, let it go faster so I can go home. <laughs> or, dear God, slow it down so I can do the things I need to do before I leave so I don't upset someone. Or, dear God, please give me inbox zero by some miracle. Uh, no email, please. Please, God. Ask, seek, knock. <laughs> you know, I want it. I desire it. I long for it. Where do we fit it in? And I, I think it's, it's a cultural convention that we think it's a zero-sum game. It's either, you know, our life, the things we've been given, our family, our work, our job, our day-to-day, or it's prayer. It's like one or the other. Like, today I chose a nap and I could have prayed. Or today I chose to spend time with this person and I could have prayed. And, and maybe we don't say that out loud, but I think sometimes we start to feel this guilt. And I think it's the church's fault to have been like, well, you could have. You could have prayed. You could have set this time aside, but you chose to do this. You should have not had dinner. Fast and pray instead. And it's not just us. I think it's all through the centuries. As people tried to wrestle with this this implication of Paul's encouragement to pray without ceasing. And he uses the same phrase several times. When he talks to the people he's writing letters to, he says, I never stop thanking God for you. It's the same word. I continually thank God for you. I thank God. God for you unceasingly, without ceasing. And then he says, with the same word, to these early Christians, these people starting to follow Jesus, who probably knew that model prayer, our Father who art in heaven, he says, that's good, do that always without ceasing. It throws a wrench in the encouragement that Jesus gives to pray, because it's like, where do I fit it in? Uh, Richard III, uh, a king of England, uh, just look at his Wikipedia page, cursory, just kind of glance. Dude was a riot, uh, had a crazy life. Um, and he uh, got bored of being king. Poor little guy. 
Uh, everything, the world at his fingertips, all the uh, resources he could want. He could do anything he wanted. He was in control. He had a lot of power. He got bored of being king. And so he decided he was going to be a monk. I've been bored. Uh, not that bored, you know. And so Richard III went to a monastery and he asked the head monk, he's like, okay, I'm tired of being king. I want to be a monk. What do I have to do? And he says, okay, well, tell me, tell me what you think it means to be a monk. Like, what do you think you're getting into? And he says, I want to be obedient to you as you are obedient to Jesus. And the head monk, this old man, says to him, okay, good, you're in. Here's what you should do, being obedient to me. Go back and be king. <laughs> That's what obedience was for him. That's what the spiritual life was for him. And whether or not we think he was a good or a bad king or a mixed bag, he said, go back and be king. That's your calling. That's who you're supposed to be. That's what God has placed in your life. Take it, do it well, do it for God's glory and honor. That's your obedience to me. You can't leave your throne. You can't come live in the monastery. You can't pray day in and day out like a monk. You have what's been given to you. Take it and do it for God's glory. Be obedient to me in that way. It's not a zero-sum game. And that's what we're told, and that's what I believe, but it's still this kind of balancing act. Of like, okay, I have like 168 hours in the week, and one of them I'm gonna come to worship, and this isn't a criticism, this is just kind of the way that we do it, this is an observation. And, and we say, okay, I, I'm gonna fill up then, I'm gonna prepare then, I'm gonna get some good advice, I'm gonna sing some songs, I'm gonna be fulfilled, I'm gonna feel warm about it. And then we feel maybe as the week goes on that it dwindles or the warmth goes away, or we've forgotten the advice, or we picked up the practice and we were really good at it Sunday night and Monday morning and Monday evening, and then by Tuesday you're like, what was that again? What was that prayer? Where did it go? Because the, the world we live in, it's an attention economy, is capturing our attention and distracting us at all times, and then we hear Paul again pray without ceasing. What I've been thinking about this week in, in responding to Paul and thinking about what it means for us in Houston in 2023 to pray without ceasing. What that means, I think, for us is to realize that the life of prayer, the spiritual life, the devotional life, the life of following Jesus is a calling. It's a vocation. That's the word that we use. The word vocation, you know, it's the similar root, voca, like where we get vocal. God's words go out into the universe and call you to something our vocation, and your vocation is your job, and your vocation is your family, and your vocation is what your hobbies are, your vocation is what you feel you just can't help but do. There's no other way you can live your life. You gotta do it. And for people that follow Jesus, what I think Paul is wanting to say to us is that your calling also, no matter if you're a teacher or a firefighter or a pastor or whatever else, that you're called to it. And likewise, you're called then, specifically, you're called to a life of prayer. That the life of prayer is a calling. That God is beckoning you with his voice through Jesus and Paul and the saints of the past and King Richard and that monk that gave him the advice to pray. You're called to pray. God's asking you to pray and to pray without ceasing. The religious life office of the college I went to used this quote all the time, so much so that I got tired of hearing it, but it was planted deep in my soul. So sometimes people ask me for like career or vocation advice, I use it even though I'm tired of hearing it. <laughs> and Frederick Buechner says, uh, your calling is where your deep gladness meets the world's deep hunger. It was a really beautiful kind of intersection. 
There's these two lines and they converge where the, the world needs something and something brings you joy and they collide. And Paul says prayer, in your gladness of God, prayer collides with what the world needs. That, that, that's your calling. That on top of what you spend your time doing to make money or how you fill your week and how you fill your days, you're called to pray. I just want to go through what Paul says, just kind of line by line, and, and kind of unpack, okay, if that's our calling, how do we do it? Maybe look at some people, maybe give some, some advice, because Christians for centuries have been wrestling with this, what it means to pray without ceasing. Because humans haven't changed. For the centuries that we've been around, we all have the same hours in a day. We all have the same kind of average length of time that we're alive. The sun sets and comes up. We need to sleep, we need to eat. Humans are the same, and that same advice Paul has given to all Christians of all centuries to pray without ceasing. Pray always, he says. And here in the, uh, the common English, it says, pray continually. John Cashin was a Christian of the past. It was like late 300s, early 400s. And he said that uh, he knew the answer to pray without ceasing. And it was Psalm 71, uh, or Psalm 70, verse 1, excuse me. And this is how it says it in the common English. Hurry, God, to deliver me. Hurry, Lord, to help me. And he said, you should write it on a piece of paper or write it on your hand or put it somewhere that you see it. And every time you see it and every time you call it to mind, pray that prayer. Hurry, Lord, to help me. Hurry, Lord, to deliver me. And over and over and over again, you'll say it. And eventually, you won't be saying it. It'll just be coming out of you spiritually. That's kind of woo-woo for me. <laughs> They're like, okay, if you say something enough, then you just start to say it. But we kind of practice that in other ways too, that you tell someone you love them and you do love them and you utter that you love them and then after a while, you don't really even need to see it or say it, they can see it because of how you conduct yourself, of how you look at them, the things that you do for them. Cashin says that's the same way that we pray without ceasing. As you ask God for help, you connect with God in every moment over and over and over again until eventually that's just the way you are, is, is casting your spirit toward God. Uh, it says it differently in the common English, but the, the most common way it's said is do not quench the spirit. But what it says in common English is don't suppress the spirit. Uh, what he's saying there is that we, we maybe get in the way of wanting to pray without ceasing by, by putting things before us or maybe giving ourselves excuses or maybe even just this defeatist attitude of like, that's for super Christians. That's for Mother Teresa. <laughs> that's for John Cashin. That's for Bono or something. Not for me. I couldn't think of anybody else. <laughs> this is who came to mind. <laughs> pray without ceasing and don't suppress the spirit. Don't let anything get in the way. I was reading this interview with Steven Spielberg this week where he's talking about the movie The Fablemans, Oscar-nominated, and it's semi-autobiographical. And they were asking him, well, what made you want to make this movie? And so it was during COVID, he was at home, some of his family that lived on the East Coast came to live with him. He said he would go out and drive for hours, and he felt this question in his heart, say like, what story, before you get to the end of your career, what story do you need to tell that you'd be mad at yourself if you didn't get to tell it? And so he's like, I, I need to answer that. But there was something flowing beyond him for him to tell that story, to share that it was just pouring out of him. Do not quench the spirit. Do not suppress the spirit. Do not get in the way of that thing that you need to do, that deep gladness where the world meets its deep hunger. We also hear that 
It's not just pray without ceasing on Sunday or pray without ceasing when you feel spiritual or pray without ceasing when someone tells you to or asks you to pray or pray without ceasing when you remember, but it's about your entire person, unto the whole person, you entirely, to fill you entirely. Avoid every kind of evil, Paul says. Now may the God of peace himself cause you to be completely dedicated to him. Completely, utterly, entirely is what the Greek word says. And the facet of just like from head to toe and every facet of your life, entirely. Howard Thurman is a contemporary of Martin Luther King, a poet, writer, a prophet, I'd say. And he said, don't do what makes you happy. Do what makes you feel alive. Because the world doesn't need more people that do things that make them happier, that they're good at. What the world needs is people who are fully alive. People who pray are people who are fully alive. People who recognize God's presence in every moment are people who are fully alive. People who, who cast their spirit out into the world and want to experience God's presence, who want to pray without ceasing, who want to always be asking on others' behalf and on their own behalf, are fully alive because they recognize from whom their life comes. They recognize as kind of the binding metaphor of our community that they abide in the vine, that everything that they get, their, their source is God. They're fully alive because they recognize that fact. Uh, there's a, a Latin phrase that I think is really helpful and Christians have been saying it for centuries and maybe you've heard it before. Uh, lex orandi, lex credendi. Uh, Lex orandi, lex credendi. So the, the law of prayer is the law of faith or the law of belief. And we think of law as like you ought to or else. But it's more like the rule, the foundation, the common thing. The, the, the rule of prayer is the rule of belief. In other words, what you pray says something about what you believe about God. And then what you believe then influences what you say when you pray to God. And it's kind of circular motion. The Christians have added another Latin phrase to the end of it, lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. The law of prayer is the law of belief, and the law of belief is the law of life. And you see this kind of three-part, three facets uh, circling around each other, this virtuous circle of what you pray influences then what you believe, and then what you believe then influences how you live your life, and then how you live your life then influences then what you say in your prayer. And just in and out, this kind of interweaving relationship. Maybe that's what Paul means when he says pray without ceasing. Maybe that's what that monk meant when he told Richard III to leave the monastery and go back to your throne. That you can do so much more, not in the life of the cloister, not in the life of someone in a cave wrestling with demons and praying day in and day out, but in the mundane, in the, uh, oh no, it's 3.30, <laughs> in the please God deliver me from my inbox, in the midnight scaries. Uh, God, I'm here, are you here? God, I need this. God, I'm longing for this. God, I want this. We have this prayer wall back here on the, the uh, media booth. And during the week, I've gone to look and pray with you. And I hope you'll write a prayer on there today. And I just hear these, these prayers that, that are being prayed without ceasing in our community. Things that I'm not experiencing, but I see and I feel a burden for and want to cry tears for, things that I want to celebrate or be excited about, or things that I wouldn't even call to mind of my own. And it's changed what I believe. 
and then likewise changed how I live, and then likewise changed what I pray. Lex Arandi, Lex Credendi, Lex Vivendi, circular over and over and over again. So as we've kind of landed each week, uh, I want to offer, this is more my opportunity to share with you all the apps and books and stuff that I like. Uh, But there's one that I think is really helpful. It's from 24-7 Prayer. Uh, It's called Inner Room. And it's on like all the app stores and I invite you to download it. And you can start putting in uh, people you want to pray for and situations and things in your city. And it kind of has these categories. And then you hit the prayer button and it will... um, randomly bring these things up as you're in this, it has a timer on it as you pray. And calls to mind these things. And it's, it's just a tool, it's just a springboard. Then as you begin to pray for those things, it changes how you believe about them. And then as you believe different things about them, it changes how you live. That if you're praying for the homeless in our city, then you believe that maybe there could be a solution. And then you live as if there could be a solution. Or you pray for the immigrants and refugees that are coming to Houston and then you believe something about their worth and their value and how God sees them and then you show up to uh, Shambhaya Amani Farm down in Aleph because you believe something about them and you want to live alongside them. That as you pray, as you believe, as you live, your life changes and then you can start to see what Cashin meant to pray without ceasing. I've been wrestling with this uh, a lot this week. Uh, because as I've shared before, there's the life of somebody who's like professionally religious, <laughs> uh, whatever that means. I think maybe some people, not you, of course, you know me too well, some of you, uh, think that I'm just like praying all the time, that I'm this very pious, holy person. Uh, there's a, someone in the room that I'm married to that can tell you quite the opposite. <laughs> uh, because we, we balance like this life of like, I'm going to study the Bible so I can teach it. Or I'm going to write a prayer because i got to pray in front of some other people later. I don't want to sound like an idiot. Or i got to write this sermon and so uh, I can, people will think I have some good advice to give. Or I you know, pray this prayer like, dear God, help me write a really good sermon around this really funny joke or whatever else. Um, and so I've struggled. Like, okay, uh, how do I pray without ceasing? How can I listen to the saints of the past to, to say, okay, I want to cast my spirit out into the world. How can I continue to do ministry? And as it happens, it's helpful to look at people who, who've done this, who have lived lives of praying without ceasing and kind of how they've ended their lives, uh, what they were like when they passed away. Uh, for me, that person that I like model, want to model my life after and look after and I think really embody what it means to pray without ceasing, uh, even by account of his own family, was Dallas Willard. Um, you can mark him on your bingo card. He's back. Um, when Dallas Lord was passing away, he had a really aggressive form of cancer. He was in a lot of pain. And he refused uh, the pain medication that was offered to him. And it was something like he wanted to like fully experience everything. Uh, I don't want to model that part of his life on my life. But his children and his wife and his caregivers were there when he died. And as he died, his last words were, thank you. And that's praying without ceasing. That his attitude, even in all circumstances, as Paul said, was to give gratitude to God, to look up to the heavens and and say, this gift I've been given, I give it back to you. Thank you. If we lived lives that prayed without ceasing, and we're to pray without ceasing, that doesn't mean, okay, quit your job and go to the monastery. It doesn't mean uh, forsake everything else in your life so you can clasp your hands and say the Lord's Prayer every moment. 
It doesn't mean becoming an expert where you've memorized all the Psalms and they just kind of, well, that wouldn't be a bad idea, but they just pour out of you secondhand. But it would be, as Paul says, I thank God for you all the time. I thank God for you continually. That your foundation, your MO, your starting point is always God is here. The line is open. He hasn't hung up. He's listening. He cares for us. He sees us. He longs to be with us. He wants to be in a relationship with us. We, we celebrate and observe during the season that he came to be with us in the flesh and was tempted in every way that we are. He's with us even now. He's listening to us. His spirit translates our prayers on our, on our behalf. Whatever moment we're in, whatever circumstance or situation we're in, God is there and we can connect to God in that moment. There's not a situation in which he can't hear us. There's not a situation in which he doesn't want to hear from us. There's not a circumstance in which uh, Jesus says, wait till tomorrow. Pray without ceasing, continually. Let the rule of your prayer be the rule of what you believe and what you believe then change how you live. And then in this circle, as your life goes on, as you experience new things, as you start to believe new things, as your mind is changed, you will see what it means to pray without ceasing. Uh, I want to walk alongside you in this. I'm, I hope you can tell I'm saying this from a place of like confusion and being confounded. <laughs> but I want to learn it together. And then as we learn it, uh, we'll recognize and we'll see and we'll experience how close God is to us in every moment. In this one too. Let's pray.